What is up, guys? We are back. Season two of Bullpen Talk getting underway today. Uh, my name is Nate Harris. I'm the host of Bullpen Talk. For those of you guys listening, if this is your first time tuning in, Bullpen Talk is a podcast that I started this past year um, in 2021. It's a podcast where it's a platform for past and present professional baseball players to come on, talk about their journeys, tell the stories that they've come along uh, to gain along the way, and just kind of talk shop between some fellow baseball players, whether it be teammates of mine you'll see lots of Rockies players on mine because that's the organization I'm in and this year we're really going to dive into meeting new guys people from other organizations getting their takes from what their journey has been outside of uh, my realm with the Rockies so yeah we're just super excited to get back today um, I took some time off for the holidays and just being time with family and friends and really taking some downtime uh, it was a learning curve doing the first four episodes with the recording stuff and editing these podcasts and editing the video to make clips that you see sometimes on Instagram and stuff like that. So, but it's been really fun. I'm really looking forward to uh, kicking off this new year and this new season and uh, just hoping that you guys like the content that we're putting out over here. So for today's episode, we have a good friend of mine. His name is Taylor Snyder. He is another Rocky. Taylor is an infielder, outfielder, kind of utility guy. And a, a big power hitter that uh, I've come to know and come to play with over the last three or four seasons with the Rockies. Um, he's got some really incredible stories that we're going to share and that you're going to hear here. He's got a dad that played professional baseball and made it up to the big leagues and, and had a great career. And Taylor's journey of how you're going to see through this wasn't exactly like how his dad's was. It was it was a lot bumpier and he had some hiccups along the way and he had some some really low moments and he's had some really high moments that he's going to talk about some moments where he thought he might not play baseball again. So I had a blast talking to him and, and getting to hear some new things that I didn't know about him. And uh, I really hope that you enjoy the podcast and stay tuned. All right, everybody, we're here live with Taylor Snyder, T. Snyder. What's up, man? I'm great, man. How you doing? Gosh, I told you I'm brutal at these intros, so I got to get better at these <laughs> as we go into this uh, as, with this new season of, of picking up a bullpen talk. But we're uh, we're grateful for having you on, and uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to just talk shop for a little bit. Awesome. So uh, go ahead and tell us what, who Taylor Snyder is, where you're from, how old you are, and uh, just kind of give us a little glimpse of who you are. How old I am, bro? You got to get into that. Oh, we don't no. need to know that. I know. I know. I'm probably older <laughs> than you, though. So, uh, um, yeah. So I'm I'm Taylor Snyder. Um, I'm from Utah, um, Elk Ridge, to be sp specific. You probably will never hear about that that city again. It's tiny. But um, I went to Salem Hills High School. Um, grew up in baseball. Uh, my dad played, so I kind of had a, a baseball glove in in my hand from the time I could walk, basically. Uh, Went to a junior college in Salt Lake City, uh, played there a couple of years, then transferred to Colorado State Pueblo, played there one year, and was signed by the Rockies. That's when nice. I met Nate. Sadly, uh, I'm sorry, man. Rockies. No, it's, it's been <laughs> great. Um, and I've been with the Rockies uh, for five or six years now. Yeah. You got yeah. drafted in the year before in me, 16. right? 16? Yeah. 16, yeah. Isn't that crazy, dude? Yeah, so I'm uh, just a Utah boy that love the mountains and love playing baseball. 
So that's, that's awesome. Me. So I, I didn't know this. You got drafted in 2013 out of your junior college, right? Or is that out of high school? No, that was out of my high school. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. Talk, yeah. talk about that. Tell, tell us about how it was decided because you got drafted by the Mariners. Correct. You got drafted by the Mariners, pass that up to go on your Juco. Talk about that process because we have, uh, we had a few guys that happened to, we happened to Ryan Feltner and happened to Valade. And that's a tough decision when a team picks you up at a, at a high school and, and like you said, you're from a baseball family. Your dad played in the big league. So talk to us about that decision. Uh, yeah. So growing up, it was different for me because my dad and my, I had an older brother who, who was very serious in baseball as well. And, and we never talked about college. Um, sometimes I wish we would have, but we, college was never in the discussion. Uh, like we never had like, oh, dream college. I want to go here. It, that was never it. It was always like, I want to play in the big leagues. Like I want to get into professional baseball as soon as possible. And I want to play in the big leagues. Yeah. Um, which is kind of just like the way that my dad brought us up. Mm -hmm. You know, he never talked to us about college. He went to college, um, but it wasn't to go to college. It was to get signed. Yeah. Where'd he go? Uh, he went to BYU. Nice. Yeah. He was out of Southern California and he went to BYU, um, just tore it up and signed. Just, yeah. But, um, yeah. So out of high school, like I didn't, I didn't have any colleges like that I really wanted to go to. Um, the, the three big schools here in Utah, Utah, UVU and BYU. Um, I hadn't really talked to UVU much, but it was funny. I'll get into that later, but like, anyway, I could have, I could have probably gone to all three of those. Um, but it wasn't, I, I didn't want to go to school for three years at mm -hmm. that point. Um, I wanted to get into professional baseball as soon as possible. Um, and I knew that the numbers that I was putting up in, in high school was going to give me an opportunity, a yeah. chance at least. Uh, so I was, you know, my senior year went really well. I'm talking to a few different teams uh, and the scouts are, you know, they're telling me, oh, we're going to get you in the top 10 rounds. Mm -hmm. Like, I think you're for sure in there, um, which I think a lot of people have a similar story about the draft. It's just so unpredictable. And and things don't always go the way that they're, yeah. they're planned to go. Right. So I'm, I'm being told by a few different teams that I'm, I'm going to go in the top 10 rounds and I'm obviously thrilled as a, as a high school senior, that's like the ultimate dream come true, you know? Um, so then the, the, the draft goes by the top 10 rounds go by and I, my name doesn't get called. So I hear from a couple of scouts and they're like, well, you know, things just, things just didn't go as planned. And, and uh, we wanted to get you, but we're, we're going to try and get you tomorrow. Yeah. You know, somewhere before the 18th round, we're going to get you. And at that point, I had kind of talked to my dad. I didn't have an agent, um, but I kind of talked to my dad. And we just thought, you know, if it wasn't going to be the top 10 rounds out of high school, uh, we probably were just going to going to go to school. Mm -hmm. um, that was just our personal decision. That was our look on it. Uh, and then the Mariners out of nowhere actually drafted me and my brother really back to back. Yeah. Back to back rounds. No way. But it was later. It was, it was in the thirties. And so that like, I for sure thought I wasn't going to take it, but that, that piece of being drafted with my brother, mm -hmm. it intriguing. made the decision. It made, yeah, it was very intriguing. It made the yeah. decision pretty tough because I'm like, dude, we could freaking go together like, yeah. and, and try to go through this minor league system together. Um, How old is he? He's two years older than me. 
Okay. Yeah, he's two years older. So he was actually at the JUCO finishing up his sophomore year yeah. that I was headed to. So <clears throat> that being said, I'm, I was intrigued by the, the offer with my brother, but at that point it was, it was late enough in the, in the draft that I'm like, I, I think I'm doing myself a disservice. I, yeah. think, I, can, I think I can get better. Um, so then I, I choose to go to a, Ju, a JUCO. Um, I go to Salt Lake Community College. And at the time I'm thinking, yeah, we'll just uh, just go up there and, and tear it up for one year. And, yeah, and then and get drafted after again. one year. Yeah, but um, this kind of this kind of goes off the the question. Um, no, you're sure good. We can touch on we can touch on later. But uh, yeah, so I ultimately decided no, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to school and um, try to get myself in a better position in the draft. So and it paid tough off. Man. Decision. Yeah, I mean, well, after a bumpy ride, but a tough yeah. decision as a high school senior, but when it wasn't what the, the scouts had told me it was going to be, it was, it kind of made it an easy decision yeah. to be honest. Dude, that's such a cool piece of this, of, of your dad having that, those experiences of his path to the big leagues and to get uh-huh. into pro ball, because dude, when you're 18 and you got just people who don't really know when you're here telling you like, Oh no, go to school. Oh no, take the draft like this. Now I'm sure. And especially with your brother getting drafted with you, like I can, I can only mm-hmm. imagine how difficult that situation is. But then your dad did kind of be the middleman and ease the situation. I bet that was just invaluable yeah. for you. It was very valuable. Um, I think I think my dad gave me a different perspective on the whole baseball world in general um, because he had kind of been there and done that. Yeah. Uh, besides the fact that his path and my path could not have been more different. Really? Um, he tear it up? Yeah, he just – he went to, he came out of Southern California, really good player. Mm. He was actually a pitcher originally because he had a hose. Dang. He went to BYU as a pitcher, but kind of a two-way. And if I remember the story correctly, their first fall scrimmage, he hit three home runs. Jeez. And like off of one of their like guys, you know, two of them were off one of their guys mm-hmm. and he never touched the mound again. They're Dang. like, okay, okay you got to hit. So then, I'm telling you, man, yeah, pitchers went, can hit. Pitchers can swing. Dude, it's true. It's true. <laughs> but then, I mean, he he went on to like all American, yeah, you know, Olympic team, fourth round or fourth overall pick, and then just a hop, skip, and a jump for the minor leagues, That's and then insane, he was in the dude. big leagues. Yeah, and I remember. I remember me and your dad for the first time in Lancaster because our pitching coach was Dave Burba at the time, and they both mm. played on the Indians. And like your, the Indians your dad, together. yeah, your dad's this big dude, got the same same hair as you and stuff. And so I remember you showing us yeah. the was it like a Sports Illustrated that he was on or something? Yeah, yeah, him and uh, I'm gonna, of course I'm gonna forget the name. It'll come to me, but yeah, he was on a Sports Illustrated, I think his maybe second or third year in the big leagues. Um, so yeah, he was, he had he, just very different path. We've, yeah. we've been able to to see the, the two ends of the spectrum um, for the most part. And, and I think it's been, I think it's been good. Yeah. Um, he's learned a lot. I've learned a lot. So well, that's yeah. cool, man. So was he, was he in the show when, when you were growing up? It was Joe Carter. Joe Carter, wow! Illustrated with Joe Carter, yeah. Guy hits a walk-off hit home run to win the World Series, and you can't remember his name. That's tough. Yeah, that's tough. That is tough. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so what, what's it like growing up with your dad in the show? Were you able to go to games? Like, how, how old were you? 
No, I was young. So yeah. he, he actually kind of got pushed out in that 94 strike. Gotcha. Um, which is fitting for us being for in us strike, right now. Or, yeah. Or, or I guess not a strike, a lockout, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, he actually kind of got pushed out in that 94 strike, which was obviously the year that you and I were both born, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so that was his last, like, official year uh -huh. um, in the big league. So I was, you know, I, I didn't get to see that. But he went, he ended up going to the to spring training with the Red Sox and the Cardinals, um, I think, two and three years later. Mm -hmm. And I... I feel like I vaguely, vaguely remember. I have memories of the Cardinal spring training because I was three at the time. Yeah. Um, or almost three, I guess. And I vaguely remember things from that spring training. But other than that, I, I, I got to be around because he had a, he had a coaching stint in professional baseball. He actually just got another job, but that's, that's where most of my memories with him come from. Yeah. It's him off coaching somewhere and me going in junior high and high school and, and spending essentially the whole summer that's awesome with him and just freaking grinding on the buses and you know going wow, to the so you were doing bus houses. rides you were doing bus rides at 14 oh, 15 yeah. and 16 oh no earlier, earlier i started doing yeah i started he was doing independent pro ball um in the golden baseball league i think when i was 11 12 oh, and i mean i was i was grinding overnight 10 hours when I was 11, 12 years old, like that, What's that, was, like? No new, that was, uh, it's, it's kind of actually funny because I, he would, he would make sure I had my own seat. Wow. So is, is yeah, a guy giving yeah, up a seat? Yeah. I don't know. I don't oh, know. I was man. 12 to me. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, I'm just across the row from my dad. Just uh -huh. I got my own seat. I can sleep like this. It's not that bad, but now that I'm older and I've been on the Dude, other think about side that, that now I'm thinking like, Dang, those dudes probably were pissed. Those yeah. guys were probably so pissed that I was getting my own seat and they were freaking doubling up in the back. Think, it, think if you have a 10 hour bus ride and a 12 year old kid is taking your seat, dude. Oh, I can't imagine. I can't Bro, imagine. I'm fuming. I'm fuming, but my dad is just like, and you, it's just, just nothing. Like, dude, just, just take that seat. That's yeah. Good. That and dude's I'm just wearing like, it. He can't say anything. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I didn't know any different, but yeah. So I was, I'm, I've been grinding those those overnight bus rides for a long That's time. That's crazy. Dude, people don't get it. We talk, we've talked about that a lot. And pretty much everyone who's come on is, is talking about like the first year in pro ball of the eight hour, 10. I mean, you played in GJ too. You, you had the 15 hour yeah. bus rides to Montana. Oh so, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Guys are trying to figure but, out different ways how to sleep and stuff. So that's crazy. But, I mean, I guess it's all part of it. Right. But yeah, I mean, to, to further answer your question, it, it was, it was awesome. Like, being in a clubhouse. So my dad was with, with, uh, the Mariners in double A AA and triple A. So uh -huh. that was back when like, uh, Kyle or yeah, Kyle Seeger was coming up. Wow. Um, Chris Taylor was coming up in the Mariners organization. Taiwan uh -huh. Walker was coming up in the Mariners organization. There was a handful of Mike Zanino. There was a handful of other big leaguers that James Jones, who is the best guy in the world, really just a little shout out James Jones. Um, so I like, I was able to, when I was in junior high, I was able to just, I would take ground balls with them and Dude, you're getting the best training you them. can get. Oh my gosh, bro. It was, I was so spoiled. Like I would go out there to Tennessee or Tacoma and I would spend just like weeks with him. Like I just didn't want to leave. And I would yeah. just every day I'm taking ground balls and, and like, I have videos of me taking ground balls when I'm like 13 years old with Chris Taylor. That's awesome. And yeah, just, and those guys were just so good to me. Just 
always taking care of me, giving me gear. You know, I'd always come back for the trips with Dang. three pairs of batting gloves <laughs> and some of the guys would have small enough cleats for me. And yeah, yeah dude, those, those were the days. Those were Yeah. So, you're rolling back into school looking nice. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Okay. So this is cool. I actually, I, I thought you just went to, um, Colorado Pueblo. How do you say it? Pueblo. Yeah. yeah. Pueblo. So I, I didn't know you went to junior college and I, I did dude. I did a, I did a tour and a half at Juco. I did, I did three years mm-hmm. at Juco. So talk to us about your junior college experience. Cause I would love to, to kind of hone in on this for a little bit. Yeah. Um, my Juco experience was tough. Yeah. It was tough. That was the first time in my life that I thought I'm not good at baseball. <laughs> um, I went in there and just had all the confidence in the world of like, I'm just going to do a, a, a freshman year here yeah, and I'm going to be out. And yeah. Cause a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't know that. So if you go to university, you have to stay for three years unless you turn 21 before that. But if you go yes. to a junior college, you can get drafted after a year. So right away. And yeah. that's a, that's a yeah. big piece of you going there because you wanted to just yeah. spend the year there mm-hmm. and go. Yep. That was my plan. And I didn't do well. I did not do well at Juco. Um, I still don't really know exactly why um, it was some struggle that had never, I'd never felt before. Um, There was a couple different things with like the hitting philosophy that I now look back and I understand like kind of what they were doing. But at the time I was like, no, that's, that's not how I hit. Like, that's not going to work for me. Yeah. So it was, I was a little combative with that whole, with that whole piece. And, um, it just snowballed out of control into me just completely losing all my confidence, like completely. Like there was some, some mental, um, issues on the field where I just couldn't deal with it. And I had a really hard time actually. Um, and I just kind of struggled there for, for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, I look back at it and I, I, I know it happened for a reason and it, and it made me a better baseball player and it made me stronger as a human being really. Um, but I'm like, dang, I kind of wasted, I kind of wasted two years of my baseball career. Like, yeah. but, but it's just part of it, you know, everyone yeah. has their own path. And, but I actually came out of, out of my Juco saying like, I'm done. Like, that's it. Like I didn't want to play anymore. I was over it. Uh, So Juco was not a great, was not a great experience for me. Other than the fact that I, I probably learned a lot about myself and learned how to fail and learned how to, you know, deal with, with how hard baseball is. Cause I had not experienced that until that point. Dude, I, I kind of had the same thing. My first year at JUCO, so I was I was always young for my grade growing up. I went into JUCO. Mm-hmm. I had just turned seventeen, like I was I was really young, and so I remember that fall. I mean, I don't know how you guys were, but down here in Texas, like JUCOs bring in 60, 70 guys in a fall. Oh yeah, I like, think we we probably brought in fifty. Yeah, 50 dude, something. it's a lot, and I just uh-huh. got I was I was just not ready. I was overwhelmed i remember being in arkansas and we were playing this division two in arkansas that our coach went to because he always set up a scrimmage mm-hmm. there every fall and i blew a lead I, like he want like this is the one game in the fall he cared about when he was beating his old school yeah and i came in for the save i blew the save he pulls me in the dugout and just dude he put me through the ringer he reamed me 
And I remember going back to the hotel and he said some things to me that I can't, I can't say on here, but um, I remember going back to the hotel and I called my dad. I was like, I was like, Hey, I, I think I'm getting cut on Monday when I get back to school. So just be ready. I'm, I'm, I'm almost positive oh, I'm getting shoot. cut. And so to this day, I've asked him a few times, like, why do you hold on to me? And, and he told me just, he still saw some things in me, but he ended up redshirting mm-hmm. me, which was the best thing that could have happened to me. Kind of mm-hmm. caught up with my age a little bit. I spent the whole year working out with the team and stuff. And so mm-hmm. it was the best thing that happened to me because the next two years there were, were pretty good. And I, I went on to go to the Louisiana tech and into mm-hmm. pro ball. But I mean, I, I can, I feel with you on those, those Juco struggles because junior college is like a whole nother beast. There's like no regulations on practices, anything like that. You're having seven hour days of the field. Oh man. Like, dude, you're wearing it. Like, dude, it's, it's freaking like my, my schedule up there. Uh, if I remember this correctly was like 6am weights. Yeah. Um, which lasted for an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. Then we pretty much all of us had class at eight. Uh huh. And then you went from, you probably had four classes in a row. So it was probably from eight to noon or noon 30, maybe um, rush to try and grab some food and get changed for practice. That started at like one o'clock. Yeah. And that practice sometimes went from like one o'clock to five or six o'clock. Yeah. Like, and then now you're getting off of practice. You're exhausted. You got to try and get some food. You got homework. Heaven forbid. You got to try and do some homework. Yeah. And then you got to hit the, you got to hit your pillow by no later than 10 o'clock. Otherwise you you're got six, and six hours of sleep, you know, yeah. like, gosh, you freaking grind it for sure. Think, I'm but telling you, man, I want to, I want to just hit real quick on yeah. something that you said about how red shirting, I never red shirted. Um, but I think for the, for some people that are, that are listening to this, I've, I've heard just so many stories about people getting red shirted and, and there's, there's two ways, there's two ways to go about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can say I got red shirted and pout and, and waste the year and be pissed off and, yeah. or you can red shirt. And I've heard stories of, of guys taking that year to just get stronger, get better, get, get stronger mentally. And like, just really grind. Dude, think about the COVID year. And, Think about the COVID yeah. year and how that gave us a year to train and, and actually take time to work on things we need to work on. For I mean, sure. that's that's literally what my redshirt year did for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm telling you, my coach set it up to where we played we played our conference games on Wednesdays and Saturdays. Every Tuesday and Friday before those games, I had to throw a live BP to our hitters every single every Tuesday, every Friday. And I made it a point to go out there and just dominate those guys. Like I wanted, yeah. I wanted, I wanted have. to show them why he made a mistake. And so luckily yeah. I had the right mindset with it, but we had other red shirts who were there that they were, they were ticked off. They were thrown on Tuesdays they and Fridays. And, yeah. and, and then they were freaking pouting and they were probably partying and, yep. and not taking that year for what it should have been taken for. Yep. So I just, I just, that when you said that I've, I've listened to a couple of podcasts and just, you hear stories about everyone's careers, you know, and I just think when you, when somebody gets redshirted that you can go one of two ways, that's it. Yeah. You either freaking kick it in gear and try to get as good as you can, you know, grow as much as you can in that year, or you can just cash it in and be pissed off. And, and now you come back your next year and you're the same player that you were. Yeah, for sure. So 
No, I'm glad you, I'm glad you hit on that. Cause that's so true because a, a big reason why I started this thing is because I give so many lessons here uh, in San Antonio and, and the guys who I work with who train the same facility, they have a lot of high school kids and they're always asking me about recruitment stuff and what my path was like. And I'm like, I'm sitting on this wealth of knowledge with these guys who I play with every day. And like mm-hmm. you've said it a few times, everybody's got their own path. Everybody's got their own journey. And so it's mm-hmm. cool to see you because our first four guests were Ryan Vallade, who was drafted out of high school. Then you have Ryan Feltner, Lucas Gilbreth, Brian Gonzalez, all who were begons went to the draft too, but he was committed to Miami. Gilly yeah. played at Minnesota. Feltner played at Ohio State. I mean, you and I, I mean, this is the first time we're talking the non-D1 route, you know? Yeah. Like, it, you yeah. don't have to go to the huge D1. It definitely no. helps, but there's still hope. Yeah, there is. There is. It's how hard do you want to work? Yeah, for sure. I love that. So, okay, so then you end up going to you end up going to your Division Two in Colorado, right? Mm-hmm. It's a D two. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell yep. us about that. Uh, that was a kick in the pants for sure. Yeah. You know, um, a kick in the pants. <laughs> I kind of just thought, all you know, growing up, I just had all the confidence in the world on the baseball field. In high school, same thing. I had all the confidence in the world on the baseball field. Like, if you would have told me, <coughs> excuse me, as a senior in high, really at all in high school, if you would have said, dude, you're going to play at a D2, yeah, I'd have been like, get out of here. You're an idiot. Yeah. Like, you have no clue who I am then. You know? And then I got the biggest freaking piece of humble pie. Yeah. And um, so, so what had happened was I came out of my JUCO. And I actually ended up getting benched my sophomore year. Like, I don't think I played the last 15 games wow. of the season. Um, I was done, bro. I'm like, yeah, that's a wrap. Uh, there was a guy who <laughs> I'm not even going to say his name because he's in jail now. Um, a guy who had watched me since I was younger uh, just play. And then, and then he had a team that he would bring up to slick my junior college every fall, uh, like a travel ball team that we would enter squad. And, and so this guy had seen me play a lot and he called me like the last month of my Juco. And he said some things that obviously I can't repeat on here, but basically it was just like, dude, what's going on? Like, yeah. what's the deal? Like, you're not freaking playing. You're not performing when you did play, like what's happening. And I kind of gave him like, my little rundown of it. And I kind of said like, Hey dude, I think I'm, I think I'm done. I might be done. And he was like, like, like that's not even an option. Yeah. And so he had, he had told me, he's like, okay, just get out of there. When the season ends, just freaking get your stuff and and go. He's like, come down. I have a place in Colorado. I have like a little compound in Colorado. Come train with me. I'll get you. He said, you just need to get into pro ball. College is not for you. And he's like, I'm, I will train for two or three weeks. I'm going to get you in front of some scouts. We're going to get you drafted or signed. That's it. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, really sounds pretty to. good. Yeah. I mean, it sounds good. But at the same time, like I was so over it at that point that I'm like, I don't really want to. Okay. Like, I, yeah. I was, I'm just done. Yeah. But then I like really, I thought about it for a week or two. And it was really like more like my family. I'm like, man, I can't just freaking quit. Like all the, all the, money and time and and effort and support that my family has given me to play this game. Like 
I can't just freaking quit on them. Yeah. Like, and that's really what like kept me playing. So I'm like, all right, you know, I'm gonna go out there and, and I'm gonna give it a try. I'm just gonna see what this is about. So I go out there and I train and, and, uh, he kind of, he kind of lied, I think about the, the drafts. Yeah. Like there was more, it was more like he wanted me to come play on his, well, I, I'm not going to say that. I think he had the, I think he had the, the intention of the right intentions, the right intention. I, I truly do. He, he really took care of me. Um, but he brought me out there and we trained for three weeks. There was another kid out there who actually ended up getting signed by the blue Jays that year. Wow. Um, another kid from back, uh, from the South who, he came out there. He was for sure a possible draft guy. So it was us three kind of training together. Um, some crazy stories with that if we have time. But uh, there was no draft workout. There was no yeah. scouts. There was – so he, I end up just saying, screw it. I'm just going to stay here and I'll play for the summer ball team, whatever. And the summer's coming to an end. Didn't really play super well, but whatever. Uh, but he's like, Hey, um, we're, we're talking about places to play schools to play at the, the whole summer. And he finally is like, Hey, you want to, uh, you want to go down to meet this coach? Cause we were in Colorado Springs. You want to go down the road and meet this coach? And I'm like, okay, where? And he's like, Colorado state Pueblo. And I'm like, where? Like, I've never heard of that. And he's like, I went there and I'm like, Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just like, sure. Like, why not? I'll go meet the guy. So we hop in the car, we drive down there and we get out and it's this guy named Stan Sanchez. And he's, he's kind of in some parts a baseball legend, but uh, I get out of the car and I introduce myself and he just looks at me. He's just like this gritty guy. And you just, you know, your typical, just gritty baseball yeah. coach. And so are you going to have to work out or what? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, sure. Like I got my stuff in the car. Yeah. You know, I'll work out. So I go get my stuff. I um, get loose, whatever. And I go out to shortstop. He hits me like maybe 15, 20 balls. And I'm just freaking airing it out. Mm -hmm. And he calls me, get in here. I jog in. I'm like, I'll oh, shoot. This guy thinks I'm a scrub. <laughs> and he goes, Hey, it's pretty late in the year, but uh, I'm going to do everything I can in my power to get you to come here. Dang, after and 15 like, GBs. Yeah, it was awesome. Like, and, and it was like, it was like this big stroke of confidence that I needed. Um, I was all, all, I was still like pretty reluctant. Yeah. But I'm like, okay, like, it felt really good to be like wanted that bad again. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, like let's, you know, he's like, give me a week. And I'm like, okay. So go back. He calls a week later and he's like, I got this much money for you. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's worth coming out here to Pueblo. Yeah. And he's like, okay, give me more time. <laughs> calls back a few days later. Got this much more money for you. And I'm just like, what the heck, bro? Like, this guy wants me here bad. Yeah. And so I end up going. I end up going and, uh, like, Colorado State Pueblo, like, resurrected my career. I will forever, ever remember that, and I'll forever say that. 
um, the coaching staff there was exactly what I needed. Um, some of the players, some of the friends that I met there were exactly what I needed at the time. Yeah. Um, and I went in there and, and I honestly went in and struggled in the fall again, but like these coaches were just like, they're what you needed. There's so much more in there and, and we're just going to, we're going to get it out. We're going to figure yeah. out. And I end up, you know, going on to having a good spring and uh, getting signed by the Rockies and there I went, you know, That's awesome. but yeah, I, I looked up your stats. You ended up going to hit 13 pumps and you batted 345. So it sounds like you had a pretty good year. Yeah, it was a pretty solid. It was a successful year for sure. That's awesome. So then you end up getting drafted. What's that like having that moment with your dad and your family? Because I'm sure it was I'm sure it was big. Well, I actually didn't even get to have it with my dad or my family. Dang. Um, I had opted to go play summer ball after that season in uh-huh. the Jayhawk League. Um, I was in Liberal, Kansas, playing for the Liberal BJs. And no better place um, to get drafted, huh? No Liberal better Kansas. place. So we, me and my buddy, we drive out there. We get to Liberal. We basically drop our stuff off the post family's house. We hop on a bus and we head to Wichita for a week, a week series, you know? Yeah. And I had like some teams had called. I knew there was a possibility of getting drafted. Um, but I had, you know, I'd, I'm like, I've, I've read this book before. Yeah. You know, and, uh, so I'm, we're in Wichita and the first day of the draft kind of goes by. I'm obviously no, I'm, I'm not going the first round, second yeah. round, third round, but I'm just like paying attention, you know, and the second day is I think three through 10 uh-huh. and I'm kind of starting to, to pay more attention on that day. I'm like, okay, you know, like from what these scouts told me, like there's a chance, you know, you never know nothing. Wake up day three. I think it's a Saturday at that point. We're in like some janky hotel in Wichita <laughs> and I'm watching the first two rounds. I watched the 11th and the 12th and I'm just like, screw it, bro. What am I yeah. doing? Like I'm doing this again. I'm doing this freaking thing again where I listened to what somebody told me. I think I'm getting drafted and it's not going to be right now. Yeah. So I'm like, screw it. Close my laptop. I'm like, let's go get some food. I'm not doing this. We walk across the parking lot to some burger joint. I'm literally in line ordering and get a phone call. Rockies. And they're like, hey, are you watching? And I'm like, no. And they're like, we just took you in the 13th <laughs> round. And I'm like. And there it is. It was it, it, it felt like I had not been drafted before. Yeah, Like you would think that, okay, he, I was drafted out of high school. Like I'd already been through that whole thing. I'd seen my name go on the board or go not on the board, but you know, I seen my name go yeah. and it felt like I had never been, it had never been drafted before. Well, dude, you just been through so much those last three years. You yeah. almost ended your baseball career and then yeah. worked all the way back to achieving your goal of what you, your dad and your brother talked about growing up. Yeah. And so I'm obviously just like through the roof. I hang up with them. I go outside. I call my mom. I call my dad and I'm just, just ecstatic. Everyone's so excited. Everyone's thrilled. Um, so yeah, then I'm like, I didn't even eat my food. I'm like, I don't need that food. Yeah. Go back to the hotel. I go into my coach's room. I'm like, Hey dude, I just got drafted. I'm out of here. (laughs) (laughs) See you guys. I need need a ride to the airport. 
And they're like, okay, we'll take you to the airport. So I rent a car, drive back to Liberal, get my car, drive back to Pueblo, get all my stuff. And I'm freaking in Grand Junction. And you're gone. Like two two days later. And now I'm playing professional baseball. Yeah, that's right there. funny because, yeah, it was, it was, it's not, it's not far, but it was funny because at Pueblo, Pueblo and Colorado Mesa, who is in Grand Junction are like a huge rivalry. Like we hate each other. And it was not, but two weeks before that we were in Grand Junction playing Colorado Mesa for the conference championship. Yeah. And those fans there are, they were just ripping us apart. Everybody just ripping you apart. And then, you know, fast forward two weeks, all of a sudden now they're my home crowd. Yeah. And I had some funny, I had some funny memories and stories with some of the fans that just were like, Dude, we were just freaking telling you yeah. you sucked two weeks ago. Dude, college fans are brutal. People they don't are. get how brutal college fans are. Yeah. So that was, it was funny. It was funny to be right back in Grand Junction where I, where I just was. So, yeah. That's awesome. So then you, you hop right in to Pro Bowl. So in 16, so you hit in 16 with Mesa or Pueblo, sorry, with Pueblo, you hit 13. Pueblo. Then you go to GJ and hit seven. So that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good spring and summer for you. Mm-hmm. You end up going to Asheville and you break uh, with the low A team, hit 11 pumps there. You go back to Asheville, hit eight again. And this is where we started playing for the mm-hmm. first time. Um, mm-hmm. And dude, you, you, you tore it up. I mean, I, I remember seeing you at short and that this is where you went through that span of like, I think you had like four or five Jeter throws in like, in like <laughs> two weeks. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah. 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 And so did you wait for that? I wait for that play all year, all year. And then I remember that specifically that time. It was like a two week span where I just kept getting the play. You just wait for that play. And then you dude, you had it like you had it like four times, two weeks in a row. It was crazy. Yeah, it was sweet. Um, But this is what I want to get to. So after 18, okay, um, you end up going to play overseas that that uh, that winter. Tell us about that. Uh, It was sweet. It was it was an experience that. I'm really, really glad I did because I almost did it because yeah. it was like we had finished the what was my second, my sophomore year in Asheville. Um, I had, an, had, a, had a, a good year, an OK yeah. year, you know, one that I was I was OK about. And I think it was like the second to last day of the season. And if you have played in professional baseball, like that last week of the season is just like, really? just like oh, my gosh, I can already feel myself sitting at home. Uh-huh. You know, like you're just ready. Like the second to last day of the season, and my dad calls me and he's like, "Hey, uh, the the team New, team New Zealand in the Australian Baseball League just called me. They want you to come play." Dang. And I'm like, "Dang, that's really sick." But like, <laughs> but I want to come home. Ah, when do I gotta go? Yeah. And he's like, "You'll leave the. I think it was, I don't know, somewhere like right around Thanksgiving, maybe." And he's like, you'll go and it's like 10 weeks and then you're back. And I'm like, like I I wasn't, I was excited, but I wasn't super thrilled on the idea. Like I felt like I needed an off season. Well, you're gassed because you've been going since, I mean, you probably got to spring training end of February. You end in September, play 140 games at that point. So, yeah. But then I'm like, okay, no, like New Zealand, Australia. Yes, we got to go. Yeah. So I go out there. Dude, it was so sweet. It was such a cool experience. Like, I, I fully intend on at some point in my life going back there and playing um, just because it was such a cool league. Like, yeah. you play in Auckland, New Zealand. 
you play in every major city in Australia. Yeah. Um, How far is that flight? From from New Zealand to Australia. Yeah, is that a bad question? No, it's oh, like, okay. I think it's four hours to most places but but people don't realize how big australia is like yeah. australia landmass wise i think is the same size as the united states wow so like perth is on the west coast of australia uh-huh. and like sydney and stuff is on the east coast so it's it's essentially like flying from california to new york wow so it's it's pretty big but from new zealand over there i think was like four or five hours something like that if i remember yeah. correct but to new zealand from the United States is that's a haul. Yeah, that's, that's a haul. Right. Um, I think it's 13 or 14 hours, maybe. Dang. But uh Australia was sick. Like you got to go to Perth, you get to go to Sydney, you get to go to Canberra, you get to go to Brisbane, you get to go to the Gold Coast. Um you get to, you just you just tour New Z- or Australia and you get to yeah. play baseball and you only play on the weekends. So it was like really Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you play Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you're off. And so y'all, and y'all so, aren't flying home, are you? If it, like, if you play well, the next didn't. series in Australia, do you stay at the next city? You, I think you would. We were the inaugural season of the of New Zealand, so they uh-huh. were kind of like working out all the kinks. So we, at one point, just picked up and flew over to Australia, and we were there for six weeks straight. And it was awesome. so sick because it was like we'd finish up on Sat on Sunday, uh-huh. and then we would wake up Monday morning. We were the first flight into the new city. And then we had Monday, Tuesday completely off in the new city. Wednesday was like a light practice. And then we play Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it was like, I got to go to all these freaking sweet cities in Australia. And just with like my teammates, my homies just run around and just like have a blast. It was, it was Dude, so crazy. Cool. It was so cool. But like that Australian baseball is, is so different in the fact that like most of those guys have like real jobs. And so they go to work all week as a plumber or, you know, an electrician or whatever, they go to work all week. And, and then, then they just play on the weekends. Like, sometimes they come into the game, like in their work clothes and like get changed. And then they play like, it's just completely different. It's it's, but it's sweet. Those guys, they have a blast playing. Um, you have, you have so much fun over there that the, it was awesome for me because I kind of went over there and, like got to play like stress-free a little bit and like work on some things that I yeah. actually wanted to work on that I didn't ever feel like I had the time to work on over here because I'm like, I got to put up numbers. Yeah. Like I can't work on something for two weeks and hope that it works Yeah, because I'm going to get released if I yeah. do that, yeah. you know? So I loved, I, I loved Australia for that. That's cool. I got to go like, got to go figure some stuff out and, and, and learn some stuff about myself. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. And so I'm sure because your dad coached in Taiwan, right, for a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure, I mean, playing overseas and playing winter ball is a big piece to professional baseball because, like, a lot of guys get that opportunity and they'll go do it and they talk about it just like how you did. And I'm sure your dad had some crazy fun experiences over there. Like, he was probably pushing you to go have this experience. So Yeah, for sure. Because he, he actually coached in Mexico um for one season and then the next two seasons he was in taiwan and so like i i was able to go out there and and spend two weeks with him in taiwan it was that's my homeland man that's where that's that's where my family's from that's where my grandma's from and it was again great experience yes baseball is so cool because it's you know such a universal language doesn't matter what country you're in 
it's just the same game, you know. That's awesome, dude. The That's fans a really might good be a little story. different. Yeah. But same game. Yeah. Okay, so then you go back, and this is where, like, you really start tearing it up. We end up going to Lancaster. We go to Hyatt together. You had 16 bombs, hit 276. It's pretty hard to not put up 16 bombs at park, huh? Uh, yeah. I think I hit 18, bro. <laughs> okay, my bad, my bad, my bad. 18. I think you're cutting Eight, me short, bro. 18 bombs, 270. I'll look at the baseball <laughs> reference again. Maybe I looked wrong. And then, so we have the COVID year, and we take a break. Then we go to Hartford this past year, and this year is what I really wanted to get to because this was this was a crazy year for you. So you hit 18 bombs, right? Did I get that one right? In Hartford, 18 in Hartford. You hit 255 while you're there. You have 909 OPS and a 569 slugging. So it sounds like you absolutely tore it up there. But tell us about what the first part of the year was like for you and kind of kind of how we got there. Um, yeah, so I have this, I've had this, this crazy journey in baseball where like, I feel like I kind of figure things out and then I just get freaking crushed, humbled. It's just, it's just super weird. It's yeah. super weird. And I, and I know it happens to everybody, but in 2019 in Lancaster, uh, didn't have a good first half, went home for the all-star break, did some soul searching really talked to my dad, broke my swing down, changed some things up. And I, I figured out this like really tall stance, right? Yeah. Super tall stance. My feet are narrow. I have a big leg kick. And over that all-star break, he was like, I was like, dude, I gotta, I gotta do something different. Cause what I've been doing the last three years, four years, five years, whatever is, is not consistent. It's not working. And so he's like, okay, we got to do whatever you want to do that feels just completely natural, completely comfortable. How can you get your A swing off all the time? So I'm mm-hmm. like, well, this, like this feels super athletic to me. Yeah. I feel super adjustable here. So then I come back from that all-star break and that's kind of when I started to tear off in that league and started to play well. Yeah. Then Dude, you went off. Forward, I remember that you, you went off. Yeah. It just kind of clicked. Like my leg kick helped me with my pitch recognition. It helped me with my timing. It helped me just see the ball. And like actually recognize it before I made a decision. It was just, it just cleared everything up. So then I'm like, dude, I kind of, I kind of clicked it. Like I kind of feel it come into spring training in 2020 and just picked right up where I left off. Like I'm just, I'm just banging in spring training and I'm like, Oh dude, this is so sweet. Like I kind of, I kind of clicked, I kind of clicked, like maybe I'm just going to go. And then this like little thing, I can't even remember what it's called, like COVID or something hit. (laughs) And something small. just like ended, just ended the world. Just kicked us back. Into so the no season, no season yeah. 20. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, bro. Like here, I kind of, I kind of feel like I, I clicked and figured something out and now I don't get, I don't even get to play anymore. And so missed the whole year. Um, come back in 2021 to spring training. Uh, kind of, kind of felt good. Like kind of was like, okay, I didn't lose it. Like it's still kind of there. Um, break with double a we get up to to richmond virginia we open up there the first week actually was super mad at myself because i actually had a successful week in richmond uh-huh. and but statistically it didn't go how i wanted like i felt like i got kind of got wind robbed on a couple homers mm-hmm. i felt like i had like a couple good plays made on me and i'm like what the heck bro like and kind of just spiraled into me not believing in my approach and not thinking that it worked and not thinking that what I had found worked. And I just, it just kind of snowballed yeah. and 
when that happens, like when you're really struggling like that, it's just the craziest thing because like everything just kind of goes into a fog and all of a sudden, like two weeks go by and you're like, what the heck? Like I just yeah. wasted two weeks. Like, what was I doing? And so that was how the first month, the whole month of the first month in double A, I think I was, you know, it's hitting like 190. Dude, I remember you homers. were putting barrels on balls and it, it, you were just having like the worst luck it was crazy, possible. Just yeah. crazy bad luck. And I'm like, so, and then that just resulted in me completely questioning my whole approach, yeah. completely questioning what I had felt like I had figured out and like trying, like kind of going away from it. Cause I'm like, well, obviously it doesn't work. I'm not getting hits. I yeah. may be hitting the ball, but I'm not getting hits. And so, yeah, I think the first month goes by, I'm like, I'm hitting 190 and I'm just like, well, here we go again. Like it's gone. I lost it. Yeah. And same story. Different. <clears throat> calling my dad, I'm calling, you know, some of my buddies I'm calling. And I finally call Everson, our hitting coordinator. And I'm telling him what I'm going through. And he's just like, kind of just slows my mind down and calms me down. And he's like, okay, like, let's get back to doing what you were doing, what you felt like you figured out. And then let's just like add this little approach piece on it. And it was crazy. It was like next day I got a hit. Next day I got a hit. Next day I hit a homer. Next day I got a hit. And then all of a sudden to go on the road, the homer start road and yeah, I just went unconscious. Yeah. I just started hitting bombs. Like I started hitting Homer, 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 barrel, barrel, home. Like it was just you were I remember you were in. player of the week for the league, like two out of the four weeks when you were mm-hmm. when you were turning things around. But I it was it was crazy. I remember being in Reading, Pennsylvania, right in the heart of of when you were going off. And I remember we were down this was a game we got down bigger because I was pitching this game. I came in that game uh in like the second or third because we got down big like maybe six or seven runs and we end up piecing things back together in the eighth and then the ninth rolls around they bring in this little lefty to face you and you were it was like we're down by two and there's three guys on and you hit a ball that left the ballpark i mean it was crazy <laughs> it, was, it was insane like that's the one memory i have of of your tear from that this year but but yeah, dude, do you remember that conversation you and I had in in the um in the clubhouse right in the heart of that during that struggle? I remember I was struggling too and I remember seeing you in front of your locker and it was just like you looked beat down and I just needed to talk to somebody and I know you needed to talk to somebody and we yeah. sat there and talked in the clubhouse after a game till 11:30 and I think yeah. like I know it's what I for sure needed because I was str- I was right there with you. I was struggling mm-hmm. and I mean I just, I remember that night we just kind of like opened up and talked about our struggles on mm-hmm. how baseball was just kicking us to the curb. Mm-hmm. And then you came out on the other side of it. It was awesome. Yeah, it was, it was sweet. It was like everything just kind of clicked just right into place. And then I just hit a, back. a stride. Yeah. I just hit a stride and just started rolling and just tried not to look back. Yeah. And so we end up going to, Bowie, right? You got called up in Bowie. Yeah, in Bowie. Yeah, dude. So we, we end up going to Bowie, and I remember Dino, our manager, did this thing where he he like brings us in for a talk after the game, and oh, and it always best. it always worked out to where it was like a big win. <clears throat> we did not win a lot of games in Hartford, so a win was a big, <laughs> a win was a very big. Every deal win to us. was big, bro. Everyone Every was, was big. big. So we have this big win against Bowie, who's one of the top teams in in our 
in our league, whatever you want to call it. And then Dino's having a talk with us. And then he just throws in the piece like Snyder going to, I, I yeah. can't remember what he told you, but he told you you were going up. And I remember we hoisted you up, put you in yeah. the laundry bin, and then people just started drowning you with Dumping bottles of water. water, just drowning you with bottles of water. And oh, so dude, I'm sure that was like cold water. I'm sure that was freezing the best. cold water. I'm sure you wouldn't have it any other way though. Oh man. It was, it was sweet. It was so cool. Especially because like, I know there had been a couple guys that had gotten promoted um, that year from our clubhouse, yeah. but pitchers, I believe I was the first position. I think guy. you were the first position guy. Yeah. Pitchers. Because historically with the time that I had spent with the Rockies, I had never seen all but maybe one guy get mid-season promoted yeah. in our organization. Mm -hmm. And so it was just kind of like, okay, I guess we just don't do that. Yeah. Like, that's fine, whatever. And a couple pitchers go, and I'm like, okay. Like, I'm playing good. Like, maybe, you know. And then, yeah, we're in Bowie. And, yeah, I'll never forget that. Dino did that so well. I'll never forget it. I mean, It, it was, seemed it just was, like a normal talk, and then he just threw that piece in there, and we were like, what? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, but I, I mean, I was on cloud nine, so the cold water was barely felt. <laughs> it didn't even feel it. <laughs> and then, okay. So then you go on to Albuquerque, you hit another 12 pumps, which puts you at 30 on the year, which is crazy. So between mm -hmm. your 19 season and your 21 season, you hit 48 bombs. Like that's, that's insane. So, um, yeah, dude, you had a really, really, really good 21 and set yourself mm -hmm. up for this upcoming year. And I'm, I'm sure mm -hmm. you're just ecstatic to get back and ready to roll it again yeah i'm chomping at the bit um i just want to play you yeah know? hopefully we know soon hopefully we know soon yeah hopefully we hear something so that's the uh that's the taylor snyder story that's that's your baseball career that's where you are now that's and it. uh i mean you still got so much baseball ahead of you and it, it's really cool because dude you you have an awesome story there are things that we i heard in here today that i didn't know about you and so it's it's really cool. And I think it's super relatable because it's, it's not, it's not the perfect written out story of mm -hmm. you getting drafted out of high school, playing a couple of years and going to the show, you know, not like your dad, mm -hmm. not like how your, mm -hmm. how your dad had it going to the big university and then just a hop, skip and a beat in the uh, minors. And then he's in the show. So it's cool yeah. to see the struggle. It's cool to see the fight and how you have to keep pushing on to get to where you are and to think about how these last, what, eight years have gone for you to see you in triple a right on the uh, doorstep mm -hmm. of the show. It, it's cool, man. So it's awesome. Yeah. I appreciate that. I'm, I'm very excited because there's been uh, my whole life. I've, I've believed that I was a big leaguer. I thought I was going to play in the big leagues, um, but there has been a handful of times where I have completely gone back on that and just said, no, like you're not good enough. Like it just has the cards just did not fall my way or whatever, whatever I told myself, you know, so to be, to be in triple a, um, and then to have some success last year, I I'm just super humbled because like I said, there's been countless times in my life at this point that I'm, I would have never thought I would have made it to where I am. So yeah. just perseverance and patience and freaking putting your nose down and trying to work hard. Dude, I'm right there with you after I I've said this a lot in this podcast, like last year was a struggle for me. I went through some big changes in my career. Like it takes some like yeah, really you freaking started throwing a knuckleball yeah. bro, in double a that's crazy. By the you way, were, you were playing first base. The, uh, the first game I threw it in. I remember that. Yes. So... I actually, 
I actually am, I'm gonna I'm gonna chime in with a, a a funny story about your knuckleball, um, which is just I commend you so much for like the the confidence that it probably took to to learn a new pitch like a like it's not like you learned a cutter yeah like you learned a knuckleball in double a in the eastern league which is like the big dog prospect league. yeah yeah and you learned a knuckleball and then you just go out and throw it in the game appreciate that crazy really cool um but yeah I, I was playing first base that that night that your first night of throwing the knuckleball and i'm just like Coco Montez is playing second base and we're just like over there just at first base. I'm like, throw it, throw it, throw it. Like you would get into it like, because <laughs> you didn't throw it that much. That Dude, I, if I remember right. It took, well, leading up to it. Times. Yeah, I only threw it 15 times the first game. I only threw yes. it 15 times. But like, I remember leading up to it that week, I came into a game out of the bullpen and I was looking for the right moment to throw it because they told me, they told me for the first time, only throw it when you're in leverage counts and only throw it to a lefty. Because if I was missing, I was missing out a right-handed hitter's head. Mm -hmm. So they wanted me to get some confidence with it. And I remember going into that first game where it was cleared to throw, and I went yeah. three up, three down with like eight pitches. And that was the first time I've ever come into a dugout and people read me. They're like, why didn't you throw it? I was like, dude, I've been looking for a three up, three down inning all year. <laughs> Let me yeah. have this one. But yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but then, but yeah, dude, I end up me, me and Coco are at at first base and second base and like you get into account and we would just see it. We're like, Oh my gosh, if he threw the knuckleball right now, uh -huh. this dude would spin himself into the ground. It was yeah. awesome. But then on top of that, I think it was a, a couple later, a couple outings later, I'm playing shortstop. I'm not going to name who the person is, but there was a player prospect status player for one of the other teams. Uh -huh. And, uh, you had struck him out on knuckleballs his first at bat, and he was just furious. Went into the dugout, <laughs> slamming stuff. I'm just laughing. Like we're I having know the exactly best time on who the you're field. talking about. Yeah. Um, comes up his second at bat. You throw him a couple more. He looks stupid, and you end up walking him. Uh -huh. um, and you brushed him back on. I think a slider, maybe. Yeah, I think I. I you think kind I of missed, missed a slider in, yep. and kind of brushed him back. And he freaking flips his bat and just stares you down, like all the way down to first base. I'm like, yeah. dude. He, it was a slider. A slider, literally. A, and then, I don't know, three of the other five pitches were knuckleballs at yeah. 68 miles an hour. Like, what are you pissed about, bro? Yeah. Like, it's not like he just buzzed your tower with 100. Anyway, he gets to second base, and I'm playing shortstop, and I walk up and go, what's your deal, bro? Yeah. Because he's all huffing and puffing, and I'm just like, what's your deal? And he's like, I'm just pissed. And I'm like, yeah, I can see that. So can everybody. Like, what's your deal? He's like, you think he just tried to hit you with that slider? Like, why? You, he, there's no reason I am down. And he just, I'm just freaking trying to get to the big leagues, man. And 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 hitting a knuckleball is not going to get me there. And I'm like, oh, you're not hitting the knuckleball, yeah. first of all. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess trying, you can be frustrated about trying, whatever. But, dude, I just thought it was the funniest story because he was just so flustered about you throwing him a knuckleball. And I'm just dude, like. I remember you telling me that. And he's like. He's like, dude, I'm just trying to get to the big leagues. And this guy's throwing a knuckleball. I'm like, dude, I'm trying to get to the big leagues. I just wiped my whole career down the drain of throwing a knuckleball. Yes, exactly. I'm like, yeah. heaven forbid you get to the big leagues and you face a knuckleball because yeah. you probably will, you know? Yeah. But I just, I thought it was so funny. I just like, I, dude, I totally forgot about that story because that, that, and that team that we're talking about, we ended up playing them like literally half the year. So I saw him a lot that year. So mm -hmm. there was a little bit uh, more of a, a vengeance a little bit every time he came up. So. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. All right, man. Well, that we got a couple more minutes, and there were some things I wanted to hit on with you because you got a whole lot of stuff going on outside of baseball. So 
Um, I know, I know you have this, this love affair, man, for this car. You got, you got a car <laughs> that you love. It's got its own Instagram page. Tell us about, yeah, tell does. us about what you're driving and you're whipping around back in Alfred, Utah. Uh, yeah. So I have a 2011 Subaru WRX. It's a hatchback. Um, it's, it was actually my dream car from when I was like a little kid. Uh-huh. Uh, Paul Walker in one of the fast and furious movies, one of the earlier ones drove essentially my car, uh-huh. um, in the movie. And I remember just being a little kid. I don't know if you remember how much I love fast and furious, but I, I have all the movies. I, I like, I love it. But, uh, anyway, <laughs> so was that the dream of like getting this Subaru to look like that one? Yes. So Paul Walker and then this guy named Ken Block, who's a, he's a race car driver. He drifts cars and same thing. It was about that same time. It was like 2011, 2012, when that car, that, that white hatchback came, came out and, uh, two different occasions. I'm like that car, I have to have it. Like I have to own it one day. Ken Block's freaking drifting around on these videos on YouTube just, Uh and I'm like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. So I'm, so that was kind of like my, my childhood dream car. I had to get it. So I got it um, after I got drafted and I just love it, man. It's like, it's like every time I get in it, I just feel like that giddy little 11, 12 year old kid. That's like, that wanted that car so like bad. Paul Walker. Yeah. I feel like Paul Walker. I feel like Ken Block. Um, so what are you, so, so what are you I, doing I do. with it at home? What are you, are you, are you taking a drifting and stuff? Is it just like, you're just enjoying riding around oh, when town? I, when I, when I first got it, I drove it like that. I drove it like a maniac. And then I had to get some stuff fixed on it because I was driving it like a maniac. Uh-huh. Um, so then I stopped doing that because it's expensive. <laughs> but uh, no, I just, I just joyride it now. I just take care of it. It's, That's cool. It's my baby. No, dude, we, yeah. we know you love that thing and we, and we, uh, yeah. we, we worry you out about it. So, um, mm-hmm. okay. Tell us a little bit about Utah because Begons, Brian Gonzalez came on a little while mm-hmm. and you, you proposed a question to him, something about you taking him camping and he's getting scared out in the wild. Do you want to give your take to, uh, to this story? <laughs> oh yeah. So Begons was my, uh, roommate in, in Hartford. And then we, he obviously ended up coming up to AAA a little bit after me. Um, so me and Begons got pretty close and, and had some a fiance now, my girlfriend, Anna, they were really close. Um, they would hang out at the games. And we started, he told me that he wanted to come to Utah um, after the season. He's like, I'm never on the West Coast. Like, I kind of want to hit up some of those national parks. And, and I'm like, dude, come to Utah. Yeah. And I'm like, I'll take you camping. And these two, had, they're from Miami. Like, <laughs> camping was, like, not even in, in me of. growing up in Utah, like, camping fishing snowboarding like i lived in the mountains like that's just part of it and uh so i'm like dude i'm gonna take you camping for your first time and him and amanda were kind of excited like i could tell they were a little bit skeptical about it but i think they were excited and so we take them up the mountain we take them like way up the mountain and uh pitches pitch a tent i like supplied them with all their gear i tried to make them as comfortable as i possibly could and uh Begons didn't sleep a minute you know i here i i sleep great my girlfriend sleeps great when we're camping like we love it and pretty pretty smooth night we didn't hear anything it was quiet it was a, a nice night and then we wake up and i'm talking to Begons, and he's like dude i don't think i slept one minute that was the worst night of my life <laughs> It's funny because he's it's this like, big burly dude. He's got the big beard. It looks all tough. He's telling me he's hearing stuff. He swears that there's a bear outside the tent. And I'm like, bro, 
it was most likely a raccoon and you yeah. lost a whole night of sleep because of it. Yeah. <laughs> so it was funny. I'm glad they came though. It was a good time. So really quick, give us your, uh, give us your top three spots in Utah to go visit. Cause I've never been, and I want to go one day. I want to take, I want to take Anna out there, my fiance. Um, I mean, you gotta go to park city. Park city is kind of like that. The one spot Salt Lake city is not that great. I mean, it's cool. It's cool to see like a mount or a city in the mountains. It's cool. But, uh, I mean, there's not a whole lot other than some good food in Salt Lake uh-huh. park city. You have to go. Um, if you golf, you need to go to St. George. Utah at some point in your life it's like a mini golf mecca really um yeah it's they got some unbelievable tracks down there um and then really just like Provo Canyon Provo Canyon has so many activities there's just waterfalls and rivers and and mountains like none other yeah I mean those are my those are really I mean the salt flats those are a pretty popular everyone wants to go see those but I mean you just need five minutes to see those and you're like all right that's cool. That's cool, dude. Okay. One last thing before we go, before we let you off, uh, I wanted you to talk about athletes brand and your, uh, and your pairing with them. So kind of tell us who they are and, and what you do with them. Yeah. So athletes brand is, a uh, is owned by, a well, not, not anymore, but it was completely owned and, and invented by a friend of mine. Um, he had this, this dream of creating a clothing line where athletes, it was originally just baseball players could come on and, and have a cause they wanted to give back to, and they could design a shirt um, that kind of told their story or told a slogan or whatever they wanted. And, and then they would sell the shirt. They would push it for a month and the proceeds would, would go to their um, organization of, of yeah. choice. Uh, he reached out to me and, and my sister who is kind of famous. She's pretty cool. And said, would you guys, would you guys be interested in doing a shirt? And I'm like, of course, like, absolutely. Um, so we came up with this shirt, um, make it count. And we did, we, we donated our, pro, our proceeds to Ryan Belade, who was also on the show. We, to his keeper of the game foundation, yeah. um, that kind of fit the mold of what we wanted to, what Amberly wanted to do and what I wanted to do. It was perfect kids with, with needs and, and disabilities that, we wanted to give those kids a chance and just like keeper of the game, you heard the spill from Ryan, but uh, yeah, so it was, it was a really awesome opportunity, um, an opportunity to give back an opportunity to try to do some service for some people um, that I don't even know, but I, I want to help them. So um, came up with this cool shirt and sold it like crazy and proceeds went to keeper of the game. It was, That's awesome. it was great. It was a really cool experience. That's cool, bro. All right, man. Well, T and I, we really appreciate you having on that. That was fun. I, I hope you had fun. I had a blast. It's, it's cool hearing your story. And like you said, you said a few times in the beginning, everybody's got their own path. Everybody's got their own journey. And that's the whole point of bullpen talk on kind of getting guys to, uh, to share their journeys and hopefully it can relate to somebody who's going through the same thing. So, um, yeah. If you if you want, go ahead and look up T Snide. Go look up Taylor Snyder on Instagram and stuff. Go check out his his car Instagram. I don't know what's that called. What's it called? Tell us. It's Snide Snide Subi. Snide Subi. Yeah. Go look it up. Go check it out. Get connected with him because he's an awesome guy. He's got he's got an awesome baseball career that's been going on. So got a lot ahead of him. So uh, Snide, thanks for coming on, and uh, we hope to have you back one day. Yeah, I appreciate you, Nate. Thanks for uh, having me on. Let me talk and share my story. All right, brother. We'll see you. All righty.
All right, guys, there you have it. Season two, episode one in the books. Taylor Snyder, we are extremely grateful for him. Uh, we really hope that you got to enjoy his story and, and listening to his journey through professional baseball, making it up to AAA this past year and right on the doorstep of the big leagues. I know there's a lot of people that are listening to this, that um, we have a lot of high school players that are in our audience and uh, some kids that I train that are always asking about my journey. And it's kind of cool giving them an out, another baseball player's perspective of someone who made it to uh, professional baseball that didn't necessarily have the cookie cutter outline that you'll see a lot of time. It's, it's cool to see somebody who struggled, who went through some things and made it out on the other side of achieving their goal of professional baseball. So guys, um, again, we, we really hope that you're liking this content that we're putting out. Go ahead and reach out to us on social media. Um, look us up on Instagram and get connected with us. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. Any kind of feedback is great feedback. So just keep looking out for us. We are uh, going to be a weekly podcast this upcoming season. And uh, stay tuned. Thanks, guys.